Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. It's Dr. Stephanie Fine here with Weight Loss for Fertility. And we are in the thick of holiday season when this comes out live. It is happening. Thanksgiving's already been, and all the rest of the parties and holidays and everything are are coming up. And I'm sure you're feeling it with the increased busyness and the routines are disrupted. And there's lots of different food opportunities, right? So there may be more parties, more time with friends and family, outings, all the rest of that stuff. Not only that, we have things like food gifts that can come to the office, or maybe you bake them and give them. There is just so much more sugar around. And that is a real thing, my friends. So we are going to talk about it because what if you want to lose weight and continue to lose weight these days? You can, you absolutely can. But these things are real. They happen. I remember one holiday, I was in, I was particularly paying attention to this and I was amazed at how much more stuff is around. And when we are being careful about our hunger and stopping when we're satisfied, and when we're wanting to lose weight, it really can be triggering. What I, what I found that when I was really paying attention that time was how much more often I had to deal with something in my brain, right? So there'd be something out, and normally there isn't sugar out. There aren't cookies there. There's not candy there. But when it is there, my brain has to deal with it. When it's not there, it doesn't have to deal with it. And so this season is something where we have to deal with it more often. And so that's what I'm going to talk to you about today is how to deal with it, what to know about it, and making the plan for what you want to do for the rest of these couple of weeks in figuring out how to handle the extra sugar that's around. Okay, so first things first. First, we're going to talk about sugar in general. Then we're going to talk about what to do. And lastly, we're going to talk about how to deal with a sugar binge or having had more sugar than you wanted. Okay, these are all really important things to, to notice. And we're going to start with about sugar because I want you to know some very important things about it. Sugar is a refined white powder. It does not happen naturally in like table sugar. Table sugar is not a natural substance that comes from the earth. Sugar cane is, and we process sugar cane to get sugar. I mean, there are other things too. There's lots of different ways of processing. We are talking about processed sugar like table sugar used in baking and processed foods, okay? That is a refined white powder. The reason I word it that way is because so is heroin and so is cocaine. They occur naturally in, you know, in nature, in flowers and in plants. But we, as humans, we process them to create refined white powder. Now, the reason that's important is because it doesn't 
occur that way in nature. If you were to take a sugar cane and sort of gnaw on it, you would get a sweetness in there, but you would not get the intense sugar sweetness that comes from a tablespoon of sugar. Now, the reason why that intenseness is important is because our brain wasn't designed to handle the intense processed white powder the way it was designed to handle a little bit of sugar sweetness coming from gnawing on a sugar cane. So our brains kind of flip out. They, they, they have a, an intense reaction. Now, some of us more than others, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. But what happens is your dopamine receptors are really triggered. Dopamine is the addiction neurotransmitter. And it, it downregulates and upregulates. It really is the reward center and your brain feels it. You do feel a, a, a level of high from sugar, just like I'm assuming you would with heroin and cocaine, but it's an intense uh, pleasure, I think, more with the drugs than with sugar, but sugar really does it. You can have a pleasure. There is a, a something that happens in your brain and it, it's, it's mediated by dopamine and the dopamine receptors. So it's not your imagination. And what happens too, and this is so important, it's the brain with its dopamine as the main mediator that has you craving more. This is the most important piece. So it's not just that you get that pleasure hit, but then your brain wants more. Your brain thinks, oh my gosh, this is such an important substance. I get so much pleasure out of it. I am now going to seek it. I need more of it. Your brain thinks it's important for your survival. Because that was the original mechanism for pleasure, right? Like sex, we get pleasure out of it. We need to do it more so that we procreate. Like this is, you know, this is survival stuff. Berries are delicious. They give us a little sugar high. Oh, I'm going to look for more of those right? We needed a motivation in our brains to survive, to eat, to procreate. But we really intensified it by our modern times, right? Like refining sugar, pornography, you know, like, like we're, we humans are excellent at, at finding the pleasure and then intensifying it. So that's what happens with sugar. Okay, so the, the motivational triad, I've talked about this before, but in the primitive brain, our brain's motivational triad is to seek pleasure, avoid pain, conserve energy. That's how we survive. If we just did that, we would survive. Now, if we just did that, we'd sort of sit in a corner, especially nowadays, because it would be very easy to seek pleasure and avoid pain. We just sit in our on our couches and don't do anything. You would physically survive. You may not thrive. Usually we want more than that. But the dopamine receptors, the addiction part of the brain, sugar is connected to all of this. Okay, it's important to know that sugar does lead to cravings of sugar. I, I'm positive you've felt this before. You eat one piece of candy, you literally want another one. 
It's it's your brain. Now, a lot of the times we think it's just us. I have no willpower. I There's just something wrong with me. I keep wanting sugar. Yes, you do, because there is a drug reaction happening in your brain. So you can start to see that there is more going on than meets the eye. We're so used to blaming ourselves and thinking all we have to do is will ours is think differently. I don't know. But there is an actual mechanism going on in the brain. So when there's you the craving for sugar is real. Now here's the interesting thing. There's different levels of addiction. Some people feel the craving for sugar and it's not a big deal not to have another one. They can have oh my gosh, I have a friend who like a candy bar, she can have it in her purse for weeks because she'll take one bite and she'll put it away and that's it. It's amazing to me. And then there are some people who literally are addicted in a very profound way. The, my, my example of this that really brought it home is I had a client once who literally did sort of drug-seeking behaviors. She would drive to a, a drive through Krispy Kreme donut shop in like a, a dangerous part of town in the middle of the night like a 24-hour Krispy Kreme, that's how much her brain was telling her to get sugar. Now, there are, when when your brain is like that, and you may know it because your brain may be like that with alcohol or other drugs or something like that. If you have a brain like that, you may have a brain like that with sugar. Not always, but you may be more susceptible to it to it. That's just a sort of a clue for yourself. Also, alcohol has other receptors, but also it's a sugar. So you may have a clue to this for yourself. So sometimes, like the woman who went to the Krispy Kreme, her answer for herself that she found for herself was to abstain from sugar. When sugar was out of her life, she had so much freedom in her brain. She just didn't have the cravings. And that is the beautiful thing about sugar, at least. It actually may be similar to other addictions. When you don't have it in your system, you don't crave it. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have triggers for it or that you don't have urges for it. But I do make a distinction between a craving and an urge. It's very subtle. But a craving to me is is a little harder to, I'm going to say control, but because to me, that's the, it's the brain chemical parts. An urge is thoughts. An urge is, ooh, that pile of cookies looks good. But it's different than a craving, like you're in the middle of eating sugar and you want more sugar. That would be more of the, of a craving piece. The other piece, like seeing sugar, uh, is more, of an urge. So this woman that I was talking about, when she stopped having sugar, her life was so much easier. She found so much peace and freedom. It was a, it was a huge difference. Now, if you feel like your brain is like that and that you want to have that freedom and you really can, it really makes a huge difference. You're not controlled by it. Um, there is sort of a detox, just like with any other drugs, there is a detox and you can feel not great for a little while, days to 
a couple weeks where you just feel like a headache, like not as great. The good news, of course, with sugar is that it's not as bad as like a withdrawal from drugs. Then you could have sweating and vomiting and shivers and shakes. And I mean, there's lots of terrible things that go on. But with sugar, it's not nearly that bad. But I want you to know that there can be some symptoms so that you don't think something's wrong with you if you try this. Now, I don't think everybody needs this. And it's something to try if you think that if it feels like you really are addicted, that you would consider yourself addicted to sugar, this will work. Abstinence from sugar. Um. You can also, and we're going to go into it, try something else too. And you can see, you can you can experiment for, with this. But the good news, and I wanted you to know, is that if you feel very, very addicted to sugar, you can feel much, much better if you take it out. I think that's just good news. That's just good to know. And that you won't have the craving. That's the piece, right? So you can have peace and freedom because your body isn't wanting it all the time. Now, if you reintroduce it, you will reintroduce the cravings. Okay, but that's sugar. I wanted to talk about the addiction part because it's real, it's there. And it goes with this concept of if you're if you're feeling it, you're sort of stuck in the fog of it. And there are ways out. We're going to talk about that. Okay. So... That was about sugar. Now, one thing I did want to mention is, remember I talked about the difference between cravings and urges. I have a podcast on urges and that's episode 52. I love that episode because urges are a really important part of weight loss and and noticing what's in your brain. Again, this is to depersonalize, to take away from the fact that there's something wrong with you, or you're not smart enough or good enough. or It's never that. It's never that. It's we, we have to work with human brains. Urges and cravings are some of those things. So episode 52 is urge work. Highly recommend you listen to that one. Okay. So we talked about sugar and addiction and how sugar affects your brain. It really, really does. So the second part for today is what to do about it. So the first one we talked about is avoid it altogether. Now you could do that. I mean, this is not my main recommendation. As you know, if you've been around, it's number two is my main recommendation. But as I just spoke about, you may decide that that's going to be a better thing for you. You can do that just for the holiday season. You can do that forever. And you really can do that forever. Processed sugar is not a requirement for survival, not even a requirement to fully enjoy food. There are, you could have fruit if you want sweetness, but you're, but what happens when you take sugar out, it's so interesting. You recalibrate your, your mouth and everything is sweeter when you take out sugar. The sort of the right amount of sweetness that is in food naturally um, is you can appreciate better. It's actually why I recommend no sweetness in the morning, meaning no added sugar to coffee, no fake sugars, no nothing in the morning except for, you know, like eggs or 
cottage cheese or, you know, whatever you decide to have for breakfast, but that doesn't have sugar because I really do think it sets up your mouth and your brain to be seeking more sugar the rest of the day. So this all goes with the about sugar, right? So avoiding sugar is a possibility in life. It really, it, it, it doesn't make life not worth living, I promise. But you also don't have to do this. You will know if this is something that makes sense for you. You will know. It's the only reason to do it is to give yourself peace and freedom around food, not for weight loss per se. It's to free yourself from the sort of the tyranny of an addiction, if that is an issue for you. And you'll know that for yourself. Okay, so that's number one is avoiding it altogether. Totally a possibility if you want, not a necessity. But number two, and this will not come as a surprise, is to plan the sugar. Plan it. So as you know, I believe and know to be true that planning your food is such a useful tool. And ideally, we're planning it in the morning for that day. So you're you're deciding ahead of time what you're going to eat in the day. You get to make a beautiful plan, not a restrictive plan where I have one egg and then you know one stock of broccoli for lunch. That that's not a realistic plan. A realistic plan is real food, real meals that you enjoy. You're going to eat them when you're hungry. You're going to stop when you're satisfied. And so you can plan in any sugar treats you want. Now, you're eating when you're hungry and you're stopping when you're satisfied. So I don't generally recommend eating only sugar when you're hungry. So this is another important point. It's similar, you know, alcohol sugar, but it's similar. Like if you've ever had alcohol on an empty stomach, you feel it right away. If you have it with dinner, which is what's recommended when like Mediterranean diet and that sort of thing, it's with a meal. It reacts so much differently in your body because it's the food is also absorbed in your stomach. So it doesn't go directly into your bloodstream. Same with sugar. If you have a sugar snack, like in the middle of the day when you're hungry, you will feel that sugar go directly in your bloodstream much faster. The glucose then spikes higher, your insulin comes out faster. It really, really is better to have sugar with a meal. It's really better. So having a Snicker bar at three, not recommended. That will increase your cravings and you'll get a high and a crash much uh, more dramatically. In fact, if you have a little sugar with a meal, you probably won't feel the high and the crash, which is amazing you'll just get the sweetness that you wanted. Also, when we're working with hunger, eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're satisfied, you're eating a little less food to be able to have whatever cookie you wanted and not feel over full. This is amazing. Can you see how we absolutely can fit in sugar? It's not a problem whatsoever. You're just making the adjustments. You're planning it ahead of time. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm having going to have that chocolate cake that grandma makes. And so then you're going to plan your dinner. You're going to stop before you're satisfied so that you can have comfortably have some chocolate cake. 
amazing. This is how we lose weight. Really? So plan your food ahead of time. I love for you to plan your week, meaning you know when you're eating out, you know when you're going to grandma's, you know what shopping you're going to do, you generally know what food you're eating. And then each day, I would love for you to think about your day and plan out your food. Your brain is then primed. It knows what it's going to have. It's not going to bother you all day long. What are we having for lunch? I don't know. What should we do? I don't know. I don't know. You know. And it's so valuable. And then you eat when you're hungry. You stop when you're satisfied. And you can plan sugar. You absolutely can plan sugar. And that way, you are less apt to, you know, eat the, I don't know, chocolate covered pretzels um, when you're passing it in the office, right? Because if you've planned your food, you're not just grabbing things and eating them. You're eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're satisfied. So if those pretzels are your favorite, you take a couple and you have them after lunch, really technically with your lunch. And if there's, you know, pop the popcorns, you plan to have that when you're hungry with your meal. You can have, this is the way, you can have any food you want. We're just eating it when we're hungry, we're stopping when we're satisfied, and we're having it as part of a meal. This mitigates the addiction piece. It There's not regret the same way. You are deciding what to have. This works really, really well well. And then it's very clear when you're sort of going off your plan, you know, when you're, if you're grabbing things, just plan for it and enjoy. So when you plan for it, then enjoy the heck out of it. Okay. So that's what to do. So we've talked about how sugar reacts in your brain. We've talked about what to do. Now, last part is how to deal if you found yourself in a, just a sugar coma. So I had a client who ended up eating an entire thing of frosting and she really regretted it. And the, the part that was so clear to me is once you're sort of started on the frosting, it's, it's sort of inevitable depending on your brain to eat the whole thing. Now, I'm not suggesting that if you start with frosting, you eat the whole thing, but I'm also very aware of what we talked about earlier, and it's possible that you get into such a brain fog because of your of the how your brain is reacting to sugar that you don't come to until the end of the frosting um, jar, you know, container. What I desperately want to make sure you know is that we do not beat ourselves up. No, 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 no. There are many things that went into this. And if you really went unconscious, which can happen, right? We just literally go unconscious. We, we do not beat ourselves up. We just deal with it afterwards. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how to do that. But the most important thing is no shame, blame, guilt. The reason is that it does not help. Now, why doesn't it help? 
it does not help because shame and guilt and blame feel terrible. And when we're feeling terrible, we want to feel better. And often, how do we feel better? We eat either more sugar or just more food. We hide, we eat, we feel terrible. We are getting rid of that layer of it because we're still going to deal with the frosting, but we're not going to have to deal with the shame and blame piece, which is a huge hard piece. I'm imagining like you're putting like a weighted blanket on top of something that's already something you have to deal with. And now you're putting a weighted blanket on it, the shame and the blame and the, and the guilt. So we don't shame, blame, guilt. What we do is we look at the situation. We're like, oh, sweet pea. I'm, I see something happened here. We are going to figure it out. No problem, sweetheart. You must have really needed that in a way that we'll figure out and I will help you in a different way next time. That's how we're going to speak to ourselves. And let me tell you something. Your body does not feel good after a whole big thing of sugar. It really doesn't. It, too much sugar. I mean, in me, in me, it, it, it's like an anxiety is what happens. Like the sugar, it's like a high, my, my body vibrates with it. And then there's the crash of tiredness and you you could have a stomach ache. Like, I mean, there's actual stuff to deal with. So after sort of a sugar binge, we're not going to beat ourselves up. We're going to just ride out the cruddy body feeling. And I recommend having water. You're going to wait until you're hungry to eat again. Just like always, you're not going to starve yourself. You're not going to punish yourself. You're not going to do any of that. You're just going to ride out the discomfort and you're going to keep, as it, if it keeps coming up, you're just going to say, I know, sweet pea, we're just, we're, our body's dealing with this right now. Thank you, body, for dealing with the excess sugar. And in a moment, I'm going to tell you part three of what to do. Okay. So number one, you're not beating yourselves up. Number two, you're physically recovering. You're going to eat again when you're hungry and you're going to eat regular food. And number three is you're going to learn, learn. You're going to use this opportunity to learn about yourself in a beautiful, curious way. Each one of these is an opportunity. If ever it happens, it's an opportunity to learn. Okay. So you're going to get curious. What happened? Oh, I was baking and I had the frosting out and I, I don't know, I'm making it up. I just had a fight and it seemed like, oh, and I hadn't eaten in a long time. I was hungry. That's usually it, by the way, honestly, like 90% of the time you will have been hungry. And I just found myself, you know, face first. Now that you know that, so you've analyzed it, remember, we didn't beat ourselves up, so it was much easier to look back and see what was going on. You you looked at it and you're like, oh, okay. First of all, does baking make sense for me? 
Maybe it's your favorite family tradition. Amazing. Then yes, it makes sense for you. But maybe you can do it when you're not hungry. Make sure you're not hungry when you're baking. Make sure you plan for how many things you're going to eat. Make sure maybe frosting's not a good idea to have there, but maybe, you know, sprinkles are. There's so many different things to, to choose from. I don't have to bake, you know, every week. I could do all my baking in one day. There are so many ways to do this. I don't have to bake anymore. I don't like giving cookies to people when I know that they're triggering. I'm going to start giving, making crochet something. You know, there are so many answers when you're looking at what happened. And that is so much more productive to do because next time you'll figure out what to do. And if we're blaming and shaming, we don't even have the opportunity to learn because we can't be curious about it because we're just beating ourselves up and feeling terrible. So that's how to deal with a sugar binge if you have one. Remember, no beating ourselves up. We physically recover and we learn and go forward. And then I recommend we go back to what do you do? You plan it. Or if, you, if it's important for you, you avoid it altogether. That's something that's possible. You could try the planning at first and see if that works. That sugar, my friends, that is sugar. When you are, there's one more thing I want to say about like getting into a sugar coma. You will find, because if you've been practicing eating when you're hungry, stopping when you're satisfied, you're listening to the voice in yourself that tells you when you've had enough food and that when you're hungry, it's a quiet voice and you're tuning into it over and over again. It's such a great practice. That voice will be there with the sugar too. So if you're used to sort of eating the whole bag of cookies or whatever it is, something sugary, you may actually be able to hear the voice that has you questioning it in the middle. Now, you may not always be able to hear it, and you, you, it may get to the end, but sometimes you may be able to stop in the middle. Now, I don't want you to force yourself, throw it away, because that comes from beating yourself up. I'm talking about listening to that kind inner voice that tells you gently when you've had enough, that kind voice can be there in the middle of a sugar frenzy. I don't want you to force yourself to stop because that usually comes from hate and nothing lasts that comes from hate. But if that loving voice is there, which it could be, that voice, please listen to when you can. That's the thing. This evolves and becomes easier and easier. We don't have to force it. If you're just in the frenzy, just let the frenzy go. But if you've been curious about that because you didn't beat yourself up and you find yourself in a, in a similar situation, see if you can hear that voice. That voice is easier to listen to and it's a kind way of stopping rather than a forcing. Kindness always wins. Kindness means you're on your way to a permanent change. And that's always what we're doing here, permanent changes. Okay, I could go on and on. If you have any questions, always, always reach out to me, stephaniefinemd.com. You can contact me there or DM me on Instagram at stephaniefinemd. I am so happy to work with you on any of this stuff. 
So you just reach out to me at stephaniefinemd.com and we can work together on this. I am hoping that you have such a wonderful holiday season and I'm sending you so, so, so much love. If you follow, share, rate and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous.